All right, Second Timothy chapter chapter. We're not moving all very fast, but this is still still good stuff. We're diving a little deeper here on these identifications. So uh, remember what Paul's saying to his son Timothy, thou there, uh, chapter two, verse one. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If any man also strive for the masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to pray and to uh, to read your word and to study and uh, get back to praying here in just a few minutes in earnest over the prayer pieces and over the other uh, the other. Uh, the other things going on in your church body and around the world and the church as a whole as we go to your throne today. We thank you and praise you for a season of uh, prayer. Thank you for the praise that has gone forth. Thank you for Ron leading the singing tonight. We ask your blessing on this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've covered, um, uh, you know, quite a bit and uh, I, I won't review everything, but we were, we're talking about being going from... Uh, um, from fear to fruit, fruitfulness, and you know, picking up from our last, um, our last message, our last messages prior to this one, and I laid out uh, again the, that uh, Timothy was a son, and from that sprouted forth being a good steward, a good soldier, a good athlete, uh, a husbandman, a teacher, a student, a vessel of honor, and a uh, servant. So uh, those are the the nine things, and since there's nine of them, that's why I'm going from fear to fruitfulness, because nine is the number of uh, fruit bearing. Okay, so we saw, our, just in way of review, our identification as a faithful son in uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. Then we saw identification as a faithful steward in chapter 2 and verse 2. Uh, and uh, now we're looking at discipline of a faithful soldier. So particularly, out of the five verses I was reading, verses 3 and 4 are what we're talking about. And I got an illustration. So today, uh, from not from my life, but Lee Carter's life, he uh, was uh, his door got knocked off. I don't know if you guys knew that yesterday. Uh, down in, they're trying to get everything ready. He needs his car, I guess, for what we're doing this week. And a man was on his phone in an SUV, and he was about to get out of his car, and he looked. Uh, in his mirror, I guess, or something, and he saw this SUV coming, and he jumped out of the way and threw himself over, and the guy took his door uh, and hinged it forward all the way to the front of the fender. Um, I saw a picture today. Uh, I didn't get one, but those in the prayer team got it. And so, praise God, um, he's okay, and the guy was, you know, in shock over it because he didn't realize what he was about to do. And you know what? I think Lee handled it as a good soldier. So he witnessed to the guy, told him, don't sweat it. Jesus paid for my sin. I'll cover yours because they don't really have insurance and all of that. And he didn't, the guy was afraid he was going to call the police on him and all that. And so uh, he handled it with a lot of grace. He's strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, he's, uh, and he endured hardness. So he's got to get that. You can pray for him. Uh, he's got to get that door fixed tomorrow morning. He's praying that door can get fixed tomorrow. Um, and uh, and so he's going to go Dominican on him and get whatever color it takes. You know, it doesn't matter. Just as long as he can get a door. And then he said he'll worry about the color later. And uh, and so, FYI, just uh, be praying for him and pray for his door uh, getting on. And also, that's obviously a financial burden to the Carters that they didn't plan on. So all of those things are um, are there. But you think about, I think about enduring hard. That's hard. That's hard stuff to endure. And uh, do it with grace. Be strong in the grace in Christ. Jesus. We saw that already with Timothy, and, and I really was listening.
listening to him, and I was thinking, I'm not sure I would have handled that with as much grace as uh, as Lee did. So uh, I was really um, I was really encouraged by his grace and uh, and how he's using that as an opportunity to witness. Also, pray for that driver that he receives the Lord. You know, that's what it's all about. That there'll be fruit. So uh, discipline of a faithful soldier is what we're talking about. And uh, in verse uh, 3, he says, Thou therefore, and we've talked about what therefore is about, um, and we covered that last time we were together. So uh, Timothy, obviously, was not to have a spirit of fear, uh, but power, love, and a sound mind. So God uh, hasn't given us a spirit of fear either, but power, love, and a sound mind. So, um, uh, so we saw that he was to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Um, and so Paul was letting Timothy know that he needs to identify himself known not only as a son and not only as a faithful steward, but also as a disciplined soldier. Uh, I talked to you last week about it. It is not enough to dress up like a soldier. It's imperative that men uh, complete boot camp. Uh, and because those are the ones that are actually soldiers, so they got to be willing to stay in rank, obey orders, do their duty, and put the goal of others ahead of themselves. And uh, and so that's why um, that's why Paul was informing Timothy of all these things that needed to happen in his life, and one of those was to be a good soldier. And so um, I think. I covered all of those things. I'm not gonna. I'm just kind of skimming over some things. I don't want to teach it all. We talked about some great songs. Remember that last week? Onward, Christian soldier, marching as to war, and all of those wonderful Philadelphian tunes. Um, and then uh, we talked about how Paul identified individual Christians as fellowship soldiers. So there was others who were fellowshipping as soldiers. And I particularly, and in, in your notes there, gave you Philippians 2:25 where he calls Epaphroditus a fellow soldier, right? He's a fellow laborer because he was a companion in labor. He was a brother. So there's the family connection. There's the work connection. But there's also a fellow soldier. Um, uh, And so uh, I hope you have brothers and sisters in the body that you feel are like that. I know I do. i got lots of them. Uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have fellow brothers, fellow companions in labor, and fellow soldiers. And... um, the Bible tells us that brothers are born for a day of adversity. And so you need people in your life that you can really lean on in a time of adversity. And so uh, it moves from, uh, in Philippians 2.25, Praphoditus, my brother, to uh, past being a laborer to a fellow soldier. Uh, but he says, he's your messenger and, the min- and a minister and, the- and he that ministered to my wants. So Epaphroditus was quite a, quite a blessing, uh, not only to Paul, but to the body of Christ. He was a faithful messenger as well. Philemon was also called, a, uh, well, not Philemon, but in Philemon, uh, Athia and Archippus were also called fellow soldiers. And so uh, when we think about a soldier, we do think about people that endure hardness. Um, right now, I've, I've got two missionaries on my mind enduring hardness. I was thinking about how hard it was. Uh, today was our prayer team meeting for Doug Howie. I was thinking about how hard it is to focus on a new property and taking the church forward when you know you got this legal cloud hanging over your head. And you know that's a distraction, but it's still a real distraction, right? And so a fellow soldier has to stay focused on the mission. And uh, that's not always easy. It's easier said than done. But um, Athia and Archippus were fellow soldiers. And so Paul mentions to the Corinthians that a, that, that a man of God supplies himself as a good soldier. And we saw in 1 Corinthians 9-7, who go at the warfare any time 
at his own charges, who planteth the vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof, or who feedeth the flock and eateth not the milk of the flock, muzzled not the ox that treadeth out the corn. So uh, in this case, it's not like uh, the supply system seems to be tied to the soldier himself. So, you know, back in the good old days, before we had a, a, a standing federal army, uh, you know how they used to go to war? They used to gather up everybody and got their resources together and they mustered the troops and they mustered the resources and they went to, went to war. I mean, you're you're hoping that that rich farmer ha- has that old cannon from the you know from the other war that they had. So we need a cannon. I, I was able to tour down in Florida one time many years ago. One of the I can't remember where that somewhere down around Pensacola area. Uh, there's a there's a there's an old fort that's out there and uh, they had these old cannons and stuff. And that's I remember them talking about that how they uh, you know a lot of those weaponries were privately donated weapons to the to the cause. These are just you know you got some money we need to buy a or we need to we need to make a new cannon, or we got to buy a cannon, or we you know it's just amazing how things used to get done. Um, and so, you know that's what Zelensky's doing. He's running around trying to find weapons right now and trying to find people to supply them. But but uh, you know what he says a, a good soldier is going to need to to uh, plant some crops so he can have enough to go to war on. Right? You gotta you gotta find some fruit. Or who's going to go of his own charges? You gotta gotta find someone to finance it. And we talked about that a little bit last week as well. Uh, war finances. Uh, interesting discussion um so anyway without getting too far off track paul teaches that the man of god readies himself with armor like a military soldier in ephesians 6 11 through 8 his entire body is covered the loins are girt about with truth the breastplate of righteousness is on the feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace there's a shield of the spirit the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god uh, but don't forget we always have to pray we got to stay in, in uh, communications with headquarters which is what we're here to do tonight and so uh, that is where we left off. First Thessalonians 5.8 was the last verse I read. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on a breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. And so, in the, in a large part this morning, that's what I was talking about, the hope of salvation. So we obviously get saved the day we trust Christ as Lord and Savior, but we're also waiting for our salvation, right? For our, redeemeth, our, we're, we're more, uh, uh, our Redeemer draweth nigh, right? So we're, we're closer to heaven than we were the day we got saved. And so a good soldier fights a good fight. That's our point there where we are in the notes. A good soldier fights a good fight. First Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So, uh, meek and mild Timothy is also uh, to be a fighter, um, and so, and it's a good fight, a good fight of faith. And by the way, so you don't have to fight for your right to party, but you do have to fight for faith, according to this. And so, fight the good fight of faith. Right, that if you if you didn't have to fight for it, it wouldn't be a challenge. But there's obviously a challenge to our faith, and more and more, as I, I just repeat myself from this morning, the world we live in is just absolutely, uh, you know, coming after the mind. And so we need to really make sure we gird up the loins of our mind and put on that helmet of salvation. You know, in a war, you can you can afford to get your arm blown off. You can afford sometimes to get a leg shot off, um, and you can still kind of you know, if you can stop the bleeding, you can still get off the battlefield and live. But you get a hole in the head, it's pretty much curtains, you know. And so we've got to keep our head secured in the hope of salvation and having that faith uh, that a soldier needs, so that we don't get our head blown off spiritually. And um, 
And so uh, Paul it commenced Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12 that he's already been fighting a good fight and he has a good profession before many witnesses. And Timothy was a man that was commended uh, in his faithfulness. So listen, I know that we're all willing to endure hardness. Uh, when there was a call to minister to unreached people groups in this church, man, the whole body... Uh, mobilized and went out. When there's a call to go build Bibles, people will mobilize. When there's a call for VBS, people mobilize. So this church is about mobilizing and performing and has really performed under difficult circumstances on multiple, occasion, uh, multiple occasions. Uh, and I can think of several from the time we went to, to, I mean, really mobilized and met the Bhutanese where they were at when they came into the country to uh, how people handled themselves through COVID and made sure to meet through their, uh, you know, ABFs. And we came out of COVID and I, I still, there's people still whining about COVID. It's like, man, that was years ago. And I'm like, we I, we almost didn't miss a beat. I think it made us stronger. So, I mean, I, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I'm just saying that's because the people endure hardness. They know how to, they know how to stay on mission. And so um, that's what it's all about. Um, and so uh, John McDougall uh, alluded to the fact that men need something more. And so I, I submit to you that we have something more that we're looking at in the in the Texas this evening. God called you to be saved and join His unit. He has given you a church that understands the, the biblical mandate for operational readiness. And so we operate by seven realities that identify why we need to be ready. And so I think I put that chart in your. I did. There you go. So you got this chart, and most of you probably know these are the seven realities. I'm not going to go over these in great detail, but there are seven non-negotiable realities that that must be present in our church uh, for us to be everything God has called us to be. Remember that that slogan: "Be all that you can be." All right. So uh, we want to be all that we can be, and that means we're going <clears> to <throat> we're real people. We're meeting people from all walks of life. We're, this is a church where people are welcome and wanted. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, we're obedient Christians who resemble Christ, reflect Him and His His nature. We minister to people uh, in their marriages, their family, and their friendships. We have real relationships because we're real Christians meeting real people where they're at. That actually, I've seen that happen today. There was real people here getting met right where they're at, not from the pulpit, but by people in the body of Christ and just meeting them where they're at and taking them to the next step. And for some of those, that was to attend in church this morning. That's wonderful. That's where it's at. And uh, that's just a step in, in some of them's uh, path to get saved. Uh, but you know what? Inevitably, that's going to lead, which puts you right in the middle of that chart, to real battles. Right? Real battles. And uh, that scares people. One time I had someone say, maybe, Brian, you should change your verbiage in this chart because it's kind of like intense. And I considered that, and I, and especially the middle one and the last one. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of like, man, you just, uh, you know, you, you're just, you might scare people off, or people might think we're militant. And so I prayed about it. I really did consider that, and uh, I decided that, you know, I think we should not change it because uh, this is the language of the Bible. Um, and uh, it's also the illustrations from the Bible. And I think that's kind of part of the, the reality as we go forward as a church. Of course, these these are about getting to be you know, 18, 17, 16 years old now, but um, uh, however old it is. But um, the, the, the concepts that God gave me for this, really they line up perfectly with our seven stages of spiritual growth as well. As we mature, we kind of naturally step through these, these processes of our relationships, our DNA, as I like to call it. And so real Christians, 
Christians are actively engaged in ministry that matters. That's what a real battle is. You'll often hear me talk about a real battle. I, I personally long for real battles. I don't want to waste my time. I'm not interested in being a professional pastor or a professional preacher. I want to be engaged in ministry that matters for eternity. And uh, and so um, I could not. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could. I'm so thankful for the liberty we have at Heartland. I don't think I could be the professional preacher. I mean, obviously, I'm a professional preacher if you want to call me that. But no way. I couldn't be Joel Olstein. No way in the world. Uh, I mean, and, and when I say a professional preacher, and I know some of these guys that just, I mean, they're just content. I mean, as long as everything's their bills are paid and there's you know people aren't arguing over the carpet color, you know, just cha chunk week by week, just go by. I don't know how they do it. I if if I wasn't on mission, if I wasn't seeing people saved, discipled, and sent. And by the way, we need to send more people, so I'm not satisfied with that. But you know, I would definitely be beside myself. Um, because I would feel like a failure, quite frankly. Because that's ultimately the mission of God is to make disciples. And it's not just the pastor's job, it's all of our jobs. The only reason I am a pastor is because that's the mission. And so uh, real battles involve real Christians getting involved in ministry that matters. And that's what Paul was preparing Timothy. Timothy, you're going to be in this city called Ephesus. There's going to be seven key churches there. And this is going to rock uh, the region, but it's also going to rock the world. And it's going to set a model for the for the rest of church history. <laughs> so Bam, you know. Now I don't know that Paul knew that, and I'm not sure Timothy understood that, but God knew that, and so he's getting the information that he needs to be everything God saved him to be. And so, what happens though is we go through real battles, and we apply the Word of God in real ways. And I mean battles that people today are dealing with uh, addiction, they're dealing with emotional issues, they're dealing with mind issues, a lot of mind issues, a lot of emotional issues. Well, what's our job? Our job is to meet people where they're at with the Word of God and see God win those battles. But what inevitably happens is we become real ministers, right? We begin people that can authentically help people with the Word of God. By reason of use, we have our senses exercised to discern good and evil, and we're able to rightly divide and then uh, rightly apply. So the first step is rightly uh, dividing the Word. The second step is not harder. That's rightly applying the Word. And that's why in our discipleship, too, we got it divided in two sections. We got um, um, uh, discipleship, too. The work and the word. What, how do we phrase that? It's just, I went blank. Um, but anyway, it's about the work and the word. So being prepared in the work and being prepared in the word. And so some of it is like practical. Uh, there's a section Jeff teaches, as a matter of fact, on, on personal worship. That's about applying the Word of God. And then there's also just you need to know the sevens. Like you need to know how God puts His mind together in the Word of God so you can rightly divide the Word of God, so you can rightly apply the Word of God. And the reason that's important isn't just to have your charts lined out and to see all the types, so that's really awesome. It's, it's to actually see the character of God. Several years ago, I knew a pastor who said he didn't read the Old Testament much because we're in the New Testament. I'm like, man... I thought about that. I'm like, how can you not read the Old... I mean, I really learned more about God's character in the Old Testament as, a, as God is His character, right? He's got these laws on one hand, and then He's got this grace on the other. So you learn about God the Father when you're reading in the Old Testament and how He deals with Israel. It's just There's just nothing that replaces that. It's outstanding. And, uh, and so there's just so much in the Word of God that makes us real ministers. You've got to have the Word of God so that you can rightly divide it and then become a real minister as you rightly apply it. And to do that, you've got to have exercise. And that's why in our goals, right, we edify, we exercise, we engage, or we live, we, uh, we learn and we love, or we know, 
and we grow and we go. Whichever way you want to divide it all up, that does all supports the three goals of HBF, however you want to say it. And then that will ultimately refine real leaders. Here I said I wasn't going to spend any time on this, and here I am preaching it. And so, so then you're going to have real leaders. As you can tell, none of that's in my notes. But real, real leaders, what do they do? They, re, they reproduce uh, ministers and ministries, right? And so what we desperately need here at our church and all the churches need is people who reproduce not just people but ministry. I mean, they, we need people that God can use to, to draw the body of Christ into worship and reproduce local churches who can go and be dropped off in a country like the Dominican Republic or Romania or China or uh, Asia or Vietnam or India or whatever and and you know what they're going to they're going to reproduce they're not just going to have church they're going to reproduce faithful men and women who can reproduce others also then you're cooking with gas as a matter of fact that's that's what we are we're just a we're just a we're just a plan off of another church and and in our and our sending church was a church plan itself at one time right so we're reproducing uh, what God has given us because of real leaders. I promise you this: if you don't have real leaders that have gone through real, uh, who are real ministers that have gone through real battles, that rightly divide and rightly apply the Word of God, you're not going to have the reproduction power that you need. And then, of course, ultimately, we want to reach real war zones. And it's been my experience that actually this is where the kind of the two do conflate. The kingdom of God is spiritual, so to have a real war, you don't have to have a physical war. Uh, but it is interesting how oftentimes physical war and 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 spiritual war kind of collide like in Ukraine God has highlighted that in our lives as a church as we had Doug Howie one week and Derek Thomas the next uh, next week come through here and they both say the same thing about Ukraine and they're talking about Ukraine why it's a real war zone but what's really going on, there's a spiritual battle for souls. So no matter our geopolitical uh, disposition, the reality is we see with spiritual eyes and we see, oh, there's a real battle there. And so we want to support that. That's how we got to Arissa, India. There was a real battle, like literally battle. People were getting killed. And that drew us. It drew me to, to Pradeep. It drew me to want to go there and teach people. Uh, I have an invitation to a place I'm not going to say right now, but next year. And it's based on a real war zone. Um, been movies made about it and stuff. I'm excited about the opportunity. Not because I know anything about it. All I know is that the, the, the devil's been fighting against God right there in this key place on the planet. And I know it like I know it. And there's got to be a reason God's invited us because there's probably a real battle that needs to be fought in a real war zone. And so, um, and so Christians are fully equipped, right? You need equipped Christians. Like, for instance, so keep this in mind, Jeff Trude. So next year, I'm going to need, next September-ish, I'm going to need another person that can go with me. And um, I don't need a I don't need someone in D two or D one. I honestly don't need someone in D two. I need somebody who can teach in HBI. I need somebody to come with because we're teaching at a different level uh, at this on this trip. We need it because we're looking to teach real leaders who literally live in real war zones and are going through real battles. So all of that's the kind of makeup that we got to have in our leadership to be soldier-like in the way we approach ministry. So we follow that up with uh, the biblical process for discipleship, right? Make disciples, um, and those are the three goals I mentioned. Did I put those in your notes? Oh, good. So those are at the bottom there. So uh, make disciples, minister together, multiply mightily. Those are on that, that uh, chart that I got in the Next Steps meeting. Uh, so 
that's what we do. We make disciples, we minister together, we multiply mightily, we edify, uh, we exercise and we engage, or we learn, we live and we love, or we know and we grow and we go. However you want to phrase all those things to make it catchy, that's the three things that we're doing here at HBF. Uh, and those are the goals. But uh, this is like the, the realities. And that's what Paul's doing with Timothy. He's getting him ready for to deal with the realities of ministry. So we have a plan for real battles. And we understand that implies we need to be soldiers. Uh, so how are we going to do that as a church? Um, and how are we doing in an individual sense? So right now... Um, we have some real battles, um, and unlike the mil- you know we got Ukraine going on, but unlike the military, um, <clears throat> the pay for engaging in real battles is eternal, and the blessings are off the charts. So we got a much more uh, we got a much much more of a reason to engage than uh, most soldiers. The reality is that we are either not ready, or not willing, or not aware of the real battles that we face. And uh, a few years ago when I preached this, we certainly were not. I think the church was much more asleep than we are today. So the need to to make disciples starts right here where we are, right? uh, The church isn't about entertaining. It's about equipping. So if we don't train up our children in the way they should go, then we will not have any faithful men and women to engage with real people. So it does start in the home. So they can become real Christians who then have real relationships that engage in real battles to make real ministers who become real leaders who impact real war zones right and so the the real battles are easy to find you think about life before you know the 20th century um uh you know pretty much that was how life went right you you had your family you raised it you hope you had peace you hope you could take care of your agricultural crops maybe and if you were too if that wasn't getting it done you went to the city to find a job until the next war came along, right? And uh, and then and you had to go fight. I mean, that was all. The, and, and life was a fight. If you go visit any other country other than ours, um, for most people on the planet, life is a daily grind. Uh, I mean, it's a fight just to get up and find water. It's a fight to find food. It's a daily existence. Uh, so they don't have the luxury of sitting around being strategic about their investments of relationships like we do in America. So we are super blessed as a church and as individuals that we can even have the liberty to sit around and go, hmm, how are we going to invest the resources that God has given us? How are we going to send these Bibles in the armory somewhere? How are we going to, are we going to go to the Philippines? Are we going to go to Jamaica? Are we going to go to, you know, we got all this liberty. I mean, it's amazing. And we better use it. We better use it while we got it because it's a great, great privilege that we have. So real battles are easy to find if you're looking for them. Uh, they, you know, you always say if that guy got in a fight, how's that go? Um, if you're looking for a fight, you'll get one, right? And so I do believe that. I, I was never a brawler, never run. I never had a bunch of fights, but I know people that seem to be throwing down all the time. And I'm like, how does that happen? Well, because they're looking for a fight. Now, I don't think we should be brawlers. The Bible's very clear about that. We should be gentle and meek and kind and all that. But for spiritual reasons, we should be looking for a real battle. We should be looking for a fight that uh, that God has already won, and we need to go proclaim that He's the victor. That's our job. He's the victor. This battle's been one uh, we see that people are oppressed depressed oppressed and then we say you know what this shouldn't be this way jesus christ has already won this battle would you come to him and we give him every opportunity to succeed now just pronouncing the good news will cause the the gates of hell to tremble and uh, you'll find opposition because the, the devil doesn't want the news out he doesn't want the good news that jesus has already won so the real battles are easy to find they are in the struggle to identify with christ in the midst of a sin wrecked world 
That's the real battle. So rather the detention home or the, the jail ministry, prisoners of hope, life issues, uh, you know, volleyball, uh, Christ Soccer Academy, uh, discipleship, uh, you know, life issues. We got a ton of battles going on around here, and and that's the place you need to go. There are real battles to fight that will that will require you, without ever leaving HBF's you know orbit, will require you to endure hardness as a good soldier. Just talk to Mitch Newland. I guarantee you, Mitch Newland and Jody have endured some hardness as the leaders of the uh, children's ministry. You can talk to Ray Blowers in the sound booth. You know, oh, that's not super spiritual. Well, you know what? I guarantee you, that's a pretty important little piece of communications act. Activity, I guarantee you he's he's endured some hardness as a good soldier. So there's a it's there's a lot of there's a lot of soldiering that goes on. Uh, even you look at Don Van. You got you got a. I think he's probably close to. He's in his seventies anyway. This guy's out here mowing our lawn every week like a good soldier. Unbelievable faithfulness. I mean, uh, man, uh, gold. Praise the Lord. Uh, you know what? I'm sure his bones ache. I'm sure his back aches. I'm sure his joints hurt. Uh, he's out here pulling weeds, and I mean, the guy's a—he's a—he's an example of the believers as far as just his work ethic. Not only that, the equipment doesn't always work. Yeah, the equipment's not always. Yeah, he's enduring hardness, and sometimes, of course, the older we get, the hardness is different. I get a call from. Uh, Dottie, uh, not Dottie, but uh, Dorothy Thompson last night. You know, she's at the nursing home doing good. I'm doing okay. 94 years old now, 93 years old. Um, She's enduring hardness just every day to get through is hard, right? Uh, I remember talking to Walt Cundiff about how hard life was as he got closer to getting to glory. And so, you know what? You want to make sure that you're ready to endure hardness because life isn't easy and it's not fair. Uh, and we got to be ready to endure hardness because the, the battles come, and they're not always sexy, and they're not always you know glamorous, they're not always high profile. Sometimes they're quiet and they're hard, and they're out of sight and out of mind. But we still need to fight them. And uh, endure hardness is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So Paul tells Timothy, "Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." <clears throat> and so it, it is expected of a steward that a man be found faithful, and it is expected of a soldier that a man be found with the intestinal fortitude. So point A, enduring hardness. The implication from the text is that um, a good soldier endures hardness and the poor soldier, what's he going to do? That's right, he's going to quit, isn't he? He's going to flee, he's going he's to lay down. And so uh, when you look at those whom God used most of the time in the past, they have a toughness of a soldier. There's no wimpy Christians hanging with Paul in Rome. Uh, there, there were no wimpy Christians laying their lives down through uh, the ten pagan Roman persecutions. They, they weren't wimpy Christians being martyred during the Dark Ages. They weren't wimpy Christians standing for Christ during the Reformation. And American, uh, the American Americans, even in recent years, that have been martyred or taken captive, and they're not wimpy Christians. Remember Martin and Gracia Burnham, some of the meekest and sweetest people you might ever meet. They were tough. Of course, Martin gave his life in the Philippines, but um, uh, there's been more since then. There are no wimpy Christians succeeding on the mission field today. Just a gosh, what it was. Uh, we had uh, Stephanie Wesco. She's no wimp. Her and Charles. That, that's not wimpy stuff. Um, seeing your husband get blown, you know, get shot to death there as you're traveling in the car, and just a few years, just not even a year ago, a guy uh, got killed. In uh, same thing happened again in. Uh, 
Kurdistan. Uh, they they sniffed out that this guy was a missionary. Of course, it wasn't that hard to figure out, and uh, he was working for the government, but he was a missionary, and they killed him. They hit him. They did a hit on the guy, and his wife and kids are stuck over there. Uh, Dad's now dead. Very similar to Charles Wesco. That's a hard. That's a hard life. Now we shouldn't. I'm not saying we should have compassion. By the way. Um, we shouldn't just go, oh, well, you know, it all comes with the territory because it's obviously very difficult. But it does kind of come with the territory, doesn't it? It's hard. Those are hard things. It kind of sobers you up. And uh, I just was talking to a soldier in Vietnam a couple weeks ago. I wasn't in Vietnam. I was talking to a soldier who was in Vietnam uh, in the 60s. I'll, let me rephrase that. And he was telling me that after going to boot camp, he goes, I was ready to kill people. Uh, so I thought. He goes, but I wasn't ready for war. Uh, he's like, they had me ready, but I wasn't. He goes, there's no way I could be ready for everything I went through. And so he went through years of drug addiction and uh, alcoholism uh, before God saved his soul. And now he's, he, went, he ministers with wounded spirits. And so, um, you know, some things that are hard, the reason you've got to endure hardness is because it's hard. It's not like, oh, this is easy. There's people, our brother Joe Sparks that's in heaven now. He's doing better now. But when he was on this earth, he had to, he had to, he had to live with everything that he experienced on Okinawa uh, for, uh, for the rest of his adult life. I mean, most of his life, the bulk of his life, he had memories that, that, tor- that tormented him. You know? And there was no escape. Until he, until Jesus got his soul, and then from there, God started helping him. But it was hard. Those are hardness. Some some of the things that soldiers got to endure hardness about are what the things they remember. Um, and so there's a cost uh, of surviving. And uh, that fellow that I was talking to from Vietnam, his biggest regret isn't is that he lived. It's just he doesn't. He really struggled with living. He just didn't feel right about it since so many of his good friends died, and so um, so that'd be hard to deal with. There's and there's also other things that go on. You know, uh, what, that fellow that got killed in combat a few years ago, the football NFL football player, ended up it was friendly fire. Can you imagine that poor soul? Um, that that. Uh, that brother, or whoever, I hope he's a brother, whoever shot him. I mean, that'd be hard to live with. That'd be hard to live with. I was down here to, uh, we were, there was, at St. Luke's, there was a guy working a crane, iron worker, and uh, they were calling the, yeah, I don't know if you know much about iron work, but a lot of times they're doing it blind, so someone's on the radio and they're trying to get the, get things in, and a piece of iron or equipment came over at St. Luke's down at the plaza. The guy falls off the top of the building down there and dies. So there's his nephew. I was like, oh, that is just... The operator's nephew died, uh, and he was the one on the radio, and he knocked him off, you know, inadvertently knocked him off uh, the building. That'd be hard to live with, you know, that you knocked your nephew off the top of a building. Whether he did, obviously, it wasn't the, the operator's fault. It just, it just happens. It's an accident. That's why they're accidents. But things like that are difficult. And so ministry puts you in situations that are difficult. I mean, it's it's hard, but you got to deal with them. And so, um, you know, you talk to Randy Foster. If you want to talk about a soldier that's endured hardness, look at that guy. There's no quitting, Randy and Julie. That's for sure. Uh, you could go down the list: Brian and Mindy Clark, Doug Pearson, Doug Howie. Uh, you know, I talk to Lee Carter. How's he feel about his door getting knocked off yesterday? You know, uh, well, he's giving it to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Right now, uh, Andrew Wrong. 
and uh, and his wife and kids they're figuring out it's kind of hard where they're at right now be praying for them and so there are days when being a Christian just simply means we endure hardness and we understand that because you don't have to live in a foreign country to face it you simply need to be serious about serving Jesus Christ right, right where you are and you will find that ministry gets difficult because uh, because you take on that responsibility of being a good soldier so when you're having a bad day because you know uh, therapist Jesus isn't coddling you uh, remember that a bad day uh, what that looked like for Paul <clears throat> one time when um, uh, some arrogant and prideful folks wouldn't listen to Paul <clears throat> because he was too abased he decided that he'd give them a taste of what it is to be uh, certified to fill up the sufferings of Christ what does it look like to endure hardness and be qualified to fill up the sufferings of Christ oh well let's look at it Second Corinthians eleven twenty two in your notes I did put that in there right yeah, so this is where we'll stop. Are, are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Uh, are they Israelites? So am I, though you're treating me like I'm dirt. Uh, and that's Brian's commentary. Are they the seed of Abraham? Oh, so am I, by the way. Um, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often. In hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I mean, this brother is bearing a load. You know what he's doing? He's enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So when he's telling Timothy, you need to endure hardness as a good soldier, he's not worried about carpet contractors. That's not a bad day. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this kind of burden. Um, it's heavy. He says, uh, who is weak in verse 29? Uh, who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not? You know, he's saying, you guys think that this stuff doesn't hurt, but I'm telling you, it's troubling me that you're, you're kind of you're kind of dissing on me as the leader. Uh, verse 30, I must needs, uh, if I must needs glory, like if you're forcing me to tell you that I'm qualified for the job, if I'm going to have to glory, I'll glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. If you're going to make me talk about myself and earn credibility, here, let's just look at my stripes. <laughs> you know, we serve a living Savior. Remember his stripes? These ain't nothing like his. But this is what I got. I'm repping Jesus. Right? He's saying, if I got a glory, let me just glory in the infirmities, because this is silly. The God of the the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth. He knoweth that I lie not. You know what? A good soldier, they're serving one person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul was being super gracious and kind, obviously, with the church at Corinth. Uh, and it's a sad thing when a man like Paul has to prove his value as a minister, but it happens all the time. So when he did have to do that, however, he didn't appeal to his intellect. He could have. I guarantee you, he probably had the strongest intellect in the room, and yet he didn't go there. When he, he probably could have verbally or intellectually beat them up. You know, He could have probably just twisted them in circles and left them on the ground, but he says, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you how stupid you are. <laughs> I'm just going to say, look, if I'm going to glory, this is, what I, this is what it's costing me to be in this ministry. You're valuable, it's valuable, but most importantly, he's valuable. Let's move forward as good soldiers. Uh, he didn't appeal to his intellect, which he could have. He didn't appeal to his heritage as a Hebrew, which he obviously he drops there. He could have, uh, but he didn't. 
He didn't appeal to his incredible conversion on the road to Damascus, which, by the way, was outstanding and unique. I mean, nobody. I mean, that's 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 one for the annals of of church history and, and eternity. But he didn't. Nope. He appealed to the sufferings as a good soldier. So that's where I'm going to stop. That's where he appealed is to the sufferings of a good soldier. I could keep going, but I won't. So I got way off on my my seven reality chart, but it all goes hand in hand. All right. So uh, so that's where we'll stop. Next time we we come back, we'll we'll uh, pick up point. Four. Do you have a point? You don't have point four, do you? Yeah, B is where we'll come. Yeah. So we got it. We'll get there. Just we'll just keep moving because we got to get done here. It's already. I'm over time. So. I just want to make a comment as you were doing this and thinking about suffering. I, mean, I can't imagine how hard it is. It's, I'm sure it's very difficult. And this Wednesday there will be a meeting of substitute teachers at the high school. And I'm going to go, but I'm not sure whether I'm going to sub this year. I don't know whether my body will let me. Yeah. I want to go. I want to do it because I love The will is there. Okay. Yeah, but how to do that is maybe hard to to find with your body aging, unfortunately. Or fortunately. You know, it depends on how you look at it. It's hard, though. It's disappointing, I'm sure. So we need to pray for you that you're encouraged. I will tell you this. You're an example of the believers in word and deed. I mean, uh, it's amazing to watch what you do and how faithful you are. Steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, I your your just your example is outstanding. I think you do it until you can't. And there'll be a day when you can't. I remember meeting Yeah, well and hopefully for yeah, I mean you want to go out with your boots on. Um, if you can, but not everybody can. You know, I remember meeting with Phyllis Riddle, uh, and I was young, you know, pastor. Let me turn this off for us any anymore here. Um,